Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, the Bucks beat the Atlanta Falcons 48-25, and I'm here with Joey Knight. And, Joey, this was one of those games where we're going to look back and say, you know, they scored a lot of points. They did a lot of great things, and yet there was a point in this game that it was only a field goal, and it felt like they didn't play their best. But there's a lot to talk about, obviously. I guess that's the good news is that this team, this offense, seems to be scoring. Uh, they're doing a lot of good things, but there's so much more improvement they can make. And when you look at where they were this time last year, they were losing games. Now they're winning them, even though they're not playing their best football. There is improvement to be had, and there are more guys who can get involved in this very prolific offense. They did not play their best game, and Bruce Arians, you know, indicated right afterwards, you know, um, there are some things I'm not pleased with. But that said, they scored 45 points, and and we talk about where the ceiling is. We don't know where the ceiling is yet, Rick. Uh, they committed nine more penalties penalties today for almost 100 yards so that's got to be cleaned up and think of the guys for all the guys who got involved today Gronk Brady and Gronk I mean that looked like circa 2014 and then Mike Evans you know just came out on fire today and Chris Godwin had a beautiful touchdown pass there late think of the guys we haven't even seen yet get involved when you think of Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson and Cameron Brait and OJ Howard so There's still a lot of dimensions to, again, a very prolific offense that we haven't even seen yet. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and I mean, the way the game started, it looked like it was going to be their day. I mean, they took the ball. They went right down the field. They scored a touchdown, 20-yard touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski, who had, now has four. He had the first two touchdowns in the game uh, on Sunday for the Bucks. Um, and Mike Evans, as you mentioned, who only – had three catches in the first game. They went to him quite a bit. I mean, he was targeted about, uh, I think it was nine times. He caught five for 75. Two touchdowns for him as well from a short distance, one in three yards. He missed Mike Evans on a deep ball that that Mike absolutely got behind the defense. He missed Antonio Brown a couple times. Um, This is the amazing thing that uh, they, they had this lull in the middle of this game, and I credit the Falcons, but all of a sudden, uh, they scrapped their way back into it, and it's a three-point game. I mean, they went from up 28-10 to 10 to 28-25, and they're in the fourth quarter with nine minutes to go. Um, and so that's that's not where you want to be against the new Falcons team with Arthur Smith and those guys trying to figure some things out. But then a guy came along on defense who had the night of his life, and Mike Edwards will tell you that, but – he comes up with two pick sixes in one quarter. You talked to Mike Edwards. Um, you looked up his numbers. He has a great story to tell. This guy, as as you said uh, earlier today, they kept referring to him as a ball hawk, and that's what he is. A ball hawk, great ball skills. Even Tom Brady on the podium afterward mentioned it. You know, how many defensive backs do we see the ball go right through their hands? You don't see that with Mike Edwards. Uh, two pick sixes, that's the first time – 
That's been done in the same quarter in the NFL since Otis Smith did it for the Jets in 1997. So Mike Edwards made some history in addition to, to sealing the outcome today. And, you know, a neat little subplot to his story. He played at the University of Kentucky, the first interception of his college career against Charlotte in 2015, his freshman year, was a pick six. The last interception of his career at Kentucky, senior day in 2018, was a pick six against Middle Tennessee. So that was kind of a cool little subplot to a prevailing storyline. And the way he did it, Rick, it both of them were just diametrically opposite interceptions. The first one, he just jumped a route. You could see it. He, he jumped a route intended for Russell Gage, tipped the ball to himself, and dashed in. The second was a blitz. He and Carlton Davis, I believe they were coming around from the right side. Carlton Davis got his hands on the ball, batted it, landed right in, uh, right in Mike's bread basket, and he just strolled right into the end zone. But a huge day for him, obviously, the game of his life. But, yes, everybody – that went up to that podium and spoke about it afterwards says this guy is a ball hawk got great ball skills and they need him the secondary's beleaguered they they were beleaguered for the first seven quarters of this season they were banged up they needed something like that to just boost their confidence and get their mojo back and mike edwards delivered i want to let everybody know on this podcast that we are still at raymond james stadium and what you hear is the cleanup crew from a sold out stadium that we're not used to uh usually by now um, most of these folks have gone home simply because there's not that much to clean up. Uh, that is not the case this season. This place was loud. Uh, it was exciting. It's been like this now for two home games. I think the, certainly uh, the Atlanta Falcons had trouble uh, a couple times, uh, had false starts, had some timeouts they needed to call. There was a point in this game that uh, another defensive player, well, let, let's just back up a little bit. Uh, the Bucks are clinging to a lead. And once again, Bradley Pinion, who had a tremendous first week and was the uh, special teams player of the week in the NFC, he unleashes a punt of over 50 yards that gets knocked down and, and, and pinned at the four-yard line for Atlanta. Flipping that field position was huge because then they get to a situation where I think it was third and one or some some third and one down there uh, with a chance to mount a drive. They would have had to go a long way, but they definitely had control of the game at that point. And Raquez Nunez-Roches makes really the defensive play of the game outside of Edwards' interceptions. Affectionately known by everyone as Nacho. Yeah, it was 28-25 at this point. Uh, Matt Ryan was in his rhythm. He had, he had found his groove. And you had third and one from the Falcons, 13. That's what they faced. Again, it was 28-25 at that point. And Nacho said that the way the Falcons lined up, he recognized the formation, he knew what was coming, and that's what what happened next was what happens when film study and ferocity converge. Uh, Matt Ryan turned around, handed the ball to Corderell Patterson, and Nacho was right there in his grill, tackled him for a three-yard loss. And in my opinion, that was the play that altered the game's momentum. The Falcons had a punt. It was a kind of a mediocre bad, punt. Bad punt. In fact, the, the Falcons waived their punter after this game, as a matter of fact. They released him. He was so bad. I didn't even realize. I don't know if he went home on the plane. I mean, he, they let him go. Yeah, it was only a 33-yard punt. So Brady gets the ball at the 43, and like two plays later, he finds uh, Chris Godwin on that pass to the short right side, and then it's a different ball game. That play altered the momentum of the game, and then, you know, what transpired with Mike Edwards, the rest is history. Now, the Bucs, you mentioned the, the uh, 
the penalties, and that was certainly a, a big issue. So was a pretty big turnover uh, in the game. Tom Brady got hit a few times in this one. You know, he was pretty clean. We talked about it all week, how he dropped back 50 times in the first game, uh, was never sacked, uh, one of only two teams, them and the Saints, to not give up a sack the first week. Uh, in this one, he was struck a few times. Now, I think officially they have him sacked three times for 17 yards. Uh, but one looked like it, it potentially, you know, the one where he loses the ball, obviously. Those are the killers. In that play, Joey Knight, running back Ronald Jones missed the blitz pickup, and he got his quarterback hit. And as much as, you know, we went through last week where Bruce Arian said, hey, Ronald Joe, Rojo was in the dog, was sort of like uh, uh, mentally didn't handle the fumble very well. He lost a fumble. That's why he was benched. Said he was going to start him, and he did in this game. And he ran the ball pretty well. I saw the reason why Ronald Jones isn't playing today. And it has little to do with his ability to run and maybe even not as much to do with his inability to catch. It's the fact that he's going to miss a block, and that could be the end of the season, uh, much like it was the end of the possession that they had today. You know, this is a critical year for Rojo. This is his fourth year, correct? And we all know how vital fourth year fourth years are. Yeah. And you you mentioned it, the the season opener, he has that fumble and he's just not mentally into it. Arians didn't feel comfortable putting him back in the game. And today the missed block that you just alluded to. I don't know how much of Ronald Jones we're gonna see going forward, especially if Leonard Fournette continues to perform the way he did today, 11 carries, 52 yeah. yards, average almost five yards a carry, and just as important, Rick, he was targeted four times. He caught all four all four, all four balls. So yeah. finally we're starting to see Leonard Fournette's hands as well as his legs. So as long as playoff Lenny remains consistent, and now, of course, you've got Giovanni Bernard back there, um, to, you know, for that kind of third down back that you need a safety valve for. I'm not 100% certain how much of Ronald Jones we're going to see going forward because, uh, again, you, your franchise is back there and you, you, you know, just really badly just allow the gates to open and allow a defender to come right at him. That's, I don't know what else you can say. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, and it's not going to be good on film, and, and I think that's what they'll, they'll think of when they think about playing the Rams uh, next Sunday because – you don't want Brady back there and facing an array of blitzes that get him hit. I thought it was interesting, and this is the most predictable thing today. My, my daughter plays fantasy football for the first time, and Mike Evans is one of her receivers, and she wanted to bench him today because he didn't have uh, very little targets, only three catches last week. And She said, you know, he didn't give me any points. I'm going to put him on the bench. And my retort was, oh, no, no, no. Tom Brady's going to make sure that Mike Evans gets gets targeted. Uh, and more importantly, he wound up scoring two touchdowns. It's the other thing I've learned about Tom Brady, Joey, when they get inside the red zone, um, I don't know how many rushing touchdowns they're going to have if it's not Brady sneaking from the one. Tom Brady wants to throw the ball in the end zone. It, even if they're at the one, the two, or the three, it doesn't matter. He's throwing the ball in the end zone, and many times he's throwing it to Mike Evans. You know, he had 13 touchdowns a year ago. I would say half of them were inside the five-yard line. I'm not, I'm not really exaggerating there. But I think Brady's one of those guys, and I know he says, hey, the ball goes where it's supposed to go. The defense determines it. I'm sure he went into this game, and maybe the script showed it as well. They were going to make sure their best receiver caught the football today. No question. And two Falcons pass interference penalties were in 
the end zone, which puts the ball at the one. Yeah. And what happens? Both of them are one-yard Brady <laughs> touchdown passes. Yes, exactly. So, so you're right about that. Um, you know, it's just we can talk about it. We can do a whole separate podcast on the phenomenon that that is Tom Brady. But, yes, he has that nose for the end zone when he gets in the red zone or the way he calls it, the red area. Mm-hmm. What is this now, Rick? Nine touchdown passes in the last two games, and we could sit here and spout off the records and the, the, the precedents that he has set with these nine touchdown passes in the first two games. I, I wrote about them, and now they've kind of slipped my mind, but you can see them in TampaBay.com, just our by-the-numbers section in our Bucks coverage. It's, 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 a, it's incredible just the precedents he's setting at age 44. I mean, it's the most for him in two games. I mean, I think, I think, the, previous, I think the previous was eight for him. Um, so he's never done it himself. He's got nine in two weeks. I mean, look, it's not, and, and we're, you know, as he said after the game, this is a marathon. We're only two games into what is now a 17 game season, um, which will just add to his stats and add to his greatness, right? So who knows what happens? Who gets hurt? We saw what happened in Kansas City, the decimated offensive line. You can have some injuries that changes everything going forward. However, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that we might begin to witness what will be the greatest statistical season of Tom Brady's career, not just because of the extra game, but because of all the weapons we mentioned. I mean, he's got guys that can all catch the ball, uh, people he hasn't used yet. Their depth will definitely be tested at some point during the year. How about the revitalization of Rob Gronkowski? I mean, could there be – you know, I was thinking about this early in the week because we all remember we're about midweek – and the Bucks produced this Robbie and Gronky show, or, or Tommy and Gronky show, right? And it's it's them sitting out on a practice field with palm trees and a little kiddie pool and the whole deal, right? And flamingos, and they're happy to do it. And they do questions from fans, and that, that's when he said he was asked if he thought he could play till fifty, and he said yes. What must it be feel like? And we'll talk about this obviously in two weeks when they go to Boston. But what must it feel like for the Patriots? or for Bill Belichick in particular, to see not only these two guys revitalized and their careers ascending as well as it ever had anywhere prior to coming here, but also see them having so much fun. I mean, Rob Gronkowski looks like the guy that is going to make a Pro Bowl by week four. I mean, it's unbelievable just how well he's playing. It's not an accident. I'll be honest with you, Rick. I never really appreciated Rob Gronkowski till I started covering him and watching him up close, mm-hmm. not only on Sundays, but every day. And I truly never appreciated what a run blocker he is. Yes. Brady said it on the podium afterward. You can run any kind of run play behind Rob. He's just that effective as a run blocker. And today he became, here's another stat. You want to talk about unprecedented stuff. So he's had, including the Super Bowl, three consecutive games of at least two touchdown catches. That ties an NFL record for tight ends. Only two other guys have ever done it. You know, it's talk about revitalize. You you said it. I mean, we, we, we focus so much on Brady. Rob Gronkowski, again, looks like he's circa 2014. You know, and it's just I've come to appreciate it in, in this last calendar year that I've watched him just – 
his not only his effectiveness as a run blocker, but his enthusiasm as a run blocker. I think it's something, you know, he likes to get the ball just like everybody else, but I think yeah. he kind of relishes run blocking. And he talked about it last year before the Super Bowl. He said, pancaking guys, you know, that's what we loved in high school. Watching the film, you know, on, on Saturday mornings after games, we, we love to see us, you know, footage of ourselves pancaking guys. So he gets off on it. And then, the, you know, he can run just about any route. That's like Brady said, it's why he's got one of those maroon jackets mm. in his closet. He made an unbelievable catch. Brady actually threw the ball a little wide and he stuck his hands way out, almost laid out for it. Um, you know, I think they've used this play for three touchdowns now where it's a run action play. Um, you know, there's there's cover zero. There's not many people behind him. The defensive lineman in front of him is kind of caught in between because he's going to block down on him and then release, and he's found himself open the end zone time after time again, four times already this season. So it's been pretty remarkable. I've sat here through 30-something years of Bucks football. Um, they honored Monty Kiffin today, a guy that was uh, – Coached here longer than any single coach, assistant or head coach. 13 years. Monty Kiffin's name is uh, fittingly next to Tony Dungy's in the ring of honor now. And that whole side, east side of the stadium is now full, by the way. And most of those names up there, Joey, not coincidentally, are guys like, I'll read them, Rondy Barber, John Lynch, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, Leroy Selman. Um, I left a few out, Tony Dungy and Kiffin. There's only a few offensive co- offensive guys like Mike Allstott um, and uh, also the tight end Jimmy Giles. The rest, and Doug Williams, are coaches, owner, um, that sort of thing. So this has been a defensive – the whole DNA of Tampa's franchise has been defense. They used to say when Monty was a coordinator, give me 17. Give me 17 points and we're going to win. And they would have um, most games. What must it be like to be a fan of this franchise? I don't know what it's like covering them, but what must it be like to be a fan of this franchise and see the sort of numbers these guys are putting up? Because while they've gone nine games of 30 or more points, got two defensive touchdowns tonight, that certainly helped the total. But I think it's an offense that can put up 40 a game with with just a few less mistakes. You know when you buy a ticket, you're going to be entertained now. There's no question about it. Even in an off day, you're still going to be entertained. And, oh, to boot, you're going to see some Hall of Fame performers out there. Um, You know, it's kind of a cliche, but you talk about worth the price of admission. Right now, these days, offense and defense, but particularly on offense because, you know, that's we know – you know, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships or something along those lines, you know you're going to be entertained. And you you said it. This this is the third the Bucks now are record setters. They've won nine consecutive games and scored thirty or more points each time. That's an NFL record. That's never been done before. They they own that record all to themselves now. <laughs> you know, that's and it's incredible. Like you said, it was just it was electric on Thursday night in the opener. It was fun and electric out here today, and we're going to keep seeing it. People, people want to be entertained. They are being entertained, and they know they're seeing something they're not likely ever to see again, or at least maybe for another generation. Yeah, I mean that's it was special, and um, it's been special, and it's still hard to believe that Tom Brady 
is 44 years old. Okay, so let's look ahead. Let's spin this a little bit forward because... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've said that in the first two games, Obviously, the Cowboys are pretty good. They won today against the L.A. Chargers in Los Angeles. A bunch of guys beat up, not on that football team. They still managed to win the game. Um, they've beaten Dallas. Uh, they they did what they were supposed to do against the Atlanta Falcons and beat them handily, however it turned out, even though it was a three-point game at this point. I think the season begins on Sunday. Um, I felt that way almost from the start, that you know this game against the Los Angeles Rams will – We'll be talking about it probably in December and January because I think it's going to matter. Um, you know, they lost to the Rams here by three points a year ago when Jared Goff came in and threw it 50-something times. They didn't try to run the ball, and they lost by a field goal. They got behind early, battled back, and lost. And then the next week they lost to Kansas City by a field goal. Um, but I just feel like, you know, the Rams are in a tough division. This could be for home field in the playoffs. Um and it's their first trip to SoFi where the Super Bowl is going to be played this year. This, To me, this could be arguably, we don't know what New Orleans is just yet. I mean, let's just talk about, I mean, it's, it's a weird league, right? What happened, uh, New Orleans goes to Carolina and, and plays horribly, and Jameis wasn't very good, and their offense was even worse, and they lose. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen yet in the division. I know the Rams, and I know Matthew Stafford. I think the Rams are as close to what the Bucks are in this league and what they did last year as any team in football right now. Very daunting challenge next week. Daunting in the sense that you're going over, you know, across the country. You're facing a, a very potent team with a, with a quarterback who may represent just the final piece of the puzzle. And then you turn around and go across the country again to – to New England the following week. I agree. These next two weeks are going to be our, you know, we think we know what we know about the Bucks. We will know after October 3rd. And uh, it, it starts next, uh, it starts next Sunday. I would say, I would have said before the day began that the next three games are going to be very critical, but the Dolphins have lost to us. So they're kind of shut down for a while and they, they got humiliated today by Buffalo. So these next two, Rick, uh, we think we know what we know. I think we'll have a very darn good idea about the trajectory of the 2021 Buccaneers after next week and especially the week after once the sun rises on October 4th, we'll know what we're dealing with. I mean, 3-1 is a good start. Even if they were to lose one of these next two, you'd certainly – I can't fathom them losing in New England because I just know what it means to Tom Brady. That scene up there is going to be something, and we'll be talking about it in a week or so. Um, maybe, maybe the most watched, uh, uh, most interesting regular season game in the hundred and something years of the NFL. I mean, Peyton Manning went back to Indianapolis and lost. Uh, that was a big game. You know, he played Andrew Luck, um, came in there with the with the Broncos, 
And, and, you know, that was the house that Peyton built, you know, at Hess Field, and they, and they lost the game. So there's been some, you know, plenty of quarterbacks and players go back to their, to their old stomping grounds. But, you know, the way it ended in New England, the success Tom had in winning a Super Bowl the next year, the fact that the Patriots didn't make the playoffs, um, and they have a new quarterback that's Brady-esque, if you will, and is a rookie, um, it's, it's just going to mean a whole hell of a lot. I'm not sure this team is quite like we know exactly that that we have all all the all the pieces just yet. You know, it was a year ago, um, about halfway through the season, the Bucks had some injuries at the receiver position, and they brought in Antonio Brown. And I woke up on Sunday morning to a report. Didn't surprise me because I had asked about it all week long, just couldn't get a response. That the Bucks had reached out to Richard Sherman. Um, the five-time Pro Bowl cornerback um, with the 49ers and the Seahawks, of course, um, who's undergoing some personal problems right about now, uh, and inquired about him and his availability. Now, they do this with players all the time. Um, but one more injury to that secondary, or you know, maybe even in spite of it, I, I still think that on defense, the secondary has been a little exposed in these last few weeks. The pass rush hasn't quite gotten home. Um, the blitzes have been picked up for the most part. And no matter what you say, Matt Ryan did some amazing things. Um, you know, quite frankly, Dak Prescott was as good as any quarterback in the league against these guys. What do you think about the secondary? And could you see a scenario, I don't think it'll happen right away, where they say, hey, we could use a veteran like Richard Sherman to put us over the top. We're a Super Bowl team. That would not surprise me in the least, and especially with the brilliant cat people that they have, yeah. uh, they could pull it off. So a scenario like that certainly would not surprise me. They they got exposed a little bit again today. You're right, Rick. Um, Ross Cockrell, the great yeah. safety corner hybrid, just did not have a very good day today. Nope. And at the end, they had to go with their big nickel. Yeah. When three safeties and nickel with, between Whitehead and Winfield and Mike Edwards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we saw how it worked. But for eight, quarter, eight quarters this season, about seven of them, the, the secondaries had it rough. They've been a little beleaguered. And you have to ask yourself, well, do they have guys lower on the depth chart on the practice squad who could help them out? Well, maybe, but D. Delaney... As good a story as he is, he was out of football last year. Uh, Pierre Desir, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. He's a veteran, but, you know, he, he's on the practice squad, has not been with the team very long at all. So there's some things I'm, st- I'm sure he's still getting his bearings, things he has to learn. So for them to make a move and go out and get an elite name like a Richard Sherman wouldn't surprise me at all, and they, they may need it sooner or later. And here's the thing about how you know the secondary is not doing well. In addition to the fact that, uh, you know, Matt Ryan threw for, what, 300 yards, um, it's that in two games they have two sacks. And Domicon Sue had a sack today. Shaquille Barrett had a sack in the first game against Dak Prescott. They did hit him a few times, but they haven't gotten a quarterback on the ground. This is a team that had almost 50 sacks a year ago. So you're through two weeks um, against in games that you led – um, at, at various times, particularly today, uh, on Sunday, and you know, you're not getting there. Well, it's you know, coverage and pass rush are hand in hand. Um, you've got to lock down receivers to make the quarterback pull the ball down, and vice versa. 
Um, so while they've gotten some turnovers, they had the two pick sixes today, that might be a function of the rush too. Um, I still think that the secondary has been exposed a little bit, and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and all those guys that they have in L.A. are, are going to attack these guys. We didn't um, hear you know Jamel Dean's name very much, which is good, I suppose. Um, they're not going to have Sean Murphy bunting back. He's supposed to come back this year, but maybe not for another four or six weeks. So this team has to find a way to stop the passing game and get off the field. They they were they had less time of possession than the Falcons did. The Falcons had, um, you know, a better third down percentage. I mean, there's a lot of numbers here that that tilt the other way, but the only number that matters is what's on what's on the scoreboard. So, um, you know, I. I I just think that it's going to be a story going forward, and we don't know when or if Richard Sherman will be here. He's got other teams that are interested in them as well. So we'll certainly be uh, be looking for that as well as other storylines this week. I mean, this is their first road trip, you know. this uh, Playing on the road is a different deal too. There are fans in the stands now. That's something that this offense hasn't had to deal with. And as much as you'd like to say they play the noise inside and all that stuff, could be a different deal when they get to L.A. This is a big, big game out there. I don't know how much crowd noise will play a factor out in Southern California, but I can darn sure tell you it'll be a factor the following week in Foxborough. So that's another dimension. And, and you talk about the secondary, Rick. Um, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. I don't think it's from a their failure to get to the quarterback and at least get him on the ground. I don't think it's for a lack of creativity. I th- I'm not sure how often, how frequently, percentage-wise, they're blitzing, but I know Todd Bowles has dialed up a lot of it. Blitz heavy, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, for whatever reason, it's it's just not working yet. So, yeah, you talk about a glaring concern after two weeks of the regular season. That's it, man. That's secondary. For all the, the, the goodwill they forged in the fourth quarter today, it's still a cause for concern. No question about it. All right, we'll wrap it up on this. We're not going to talk college football, but we will tomorrow. Your thoughts real quick because you cover college football a long time. Florida, Alabama. Oh, great uplifting performance by Florida. I know there's no such thing as moral victories in Gainesville, but I think they'll be seeing the Crimson Tide again, and I think they want to see them again. Very, you got to be very encouraged if you're a Gator fan. Cause, and I'll tell you what, I think at some points, at some points Dan Mullen outcoached Nick Saban yesterday. I think you're right, and they ran the ball on them. Florida State now 0-3. I just see no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Uh, you know, you know, 0-3 is what it is. You are what your record says you are, and maybe it would be understandable if you could see, okay, we see what they're trying to do. There's hope. Uh, they're they're kind of gravitating or trending in, in a positive direction. I don't see any of that. I don't see any rhyme or reason to what they're trying to do. And like my son and I joked yesterday, they're how many more losses until they're to Coach Prime territory? Right. <laughs> that the momentum is there. I'm sure it's going to be draft Coach Coach Prime here real soon. USF gets its second win under Coach Scott, albeit not against a, a, a formidable opponent. But did they find a quarterback yet? I think I sense they've settled on Timmy McLean, the freshman. They're just going to grow and evolve with him, and he's got some growing and evolving to do. If Bulls fans remember, it wasn't all smooth sailing for Quentin Flowers at the outset. He had some really rocky starts, but I think 
they've, they've seen this left-handed freshman who can really run and can do a lot of things. I think they've said, okay, he's our guy. We're going to take the lumps with him. They just needed a win, Rick, against anybody. They hadn't won since the season opener of 2020. So good for Jeff Scott. They, they've got that little bit of mojo going forward, and they're going to need it because they go out west to play BYU next Saturday. Finally, UCF's quarterback broke his collarbone, so some bad news for him up there. Uh, Gabriel, right? Is that his name? Gabriel, yeah. yeah. So that's a tough one. All right. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk uh, all about the weekend in college football, those stories we mentioned, the Rays' shrinking magic number to win the division, and the rest of the NFL, including the Saints, lost to Carolina. Jameis Winston was not good. Neither was the offense. The Panthers are also 2-0. and in a division. Get your mailbag questions in for Wednesday's show. You can do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Joey Knight and Steve Versnick, our producer, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 